This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. We have a special episode in store. We're talking about the wide receivers' outlook for this season, um, going forward into 2021, and the draft class as well. So uh, if you're new to the podcast, again, this is the Birds Banter Podcast, presented to you by PHLSportsNation.com and PHLSportsNation on Twitter. I'm your host, Matt Loopy. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Loopy. Make sure you follow the podcast. Birds Banter on Twitter, Birds Banter PHL on Instagram. So like I said, we're going to be talking about wide receivers in this week's podcast. Um, it's going to go a lot about the free agent class, uh, You know what we can expect out of the Eagles this season. Are they going to bring any free agents in? Are they going to make a splash? And then also next month, once that rolls around, draft season uh, is in full swing right now. Who are the Eagles going to bring in at the wide receiver position? Is it going to be round one, round three, round seven? Who are the names that the Eagles should be targeting and we can expect to be wearing Eagles green come 2021 season, um, which is just a few months away now. We're, the offseason is going very fast. But um, anyways, we're bringing on the Philly Blitz guys. Uh, we got the New Norm podcast doing a little crossover with Pierre and Derek there from the New Norm podcast. So really enjoyed this conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. And uh, let's get straight into it. Real quick, I want to remind you guys about our sponsor, Manscaped. COVID spring break is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Cordenstone would never say no to this pants party. For everyone preparing a pants party this spring break, I have an exclusive 20% off discount if you use the code PHL at manscaped.com. So Manscaped is dedicated to helping you uh, level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you that need a little bit of a chest or ball shave. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust the settings to get the length that you like, and you can also stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Don't ruin any vibes this spring break or the upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Be sure to use the Crop Cleanser Body Wash to keep your hair and skin feeling healthy and fresh. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Anti-Chafing Deodorant and Moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing a bathing suit all day. You can also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on testicle toner that is designed to keep your boys a little set slice of heaven. For limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Again, get 20% off with free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PHL. 
Say aloha to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. What's going on, everybody? We have a crossover podcast between the Birds Banter podcast and the new Norm podcast. Really happy to have these guys on with me, the co-hosts. If you guys remember Pierre from about a year ago now, talking about the wide receivers from the 2020 draft class. Pierre, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Excited to be on. Absolutely. And then we have his co-host, Derek. Derek, excited to meet you. Get to talk about these wide receivers. How, how about you? Same, same, man. Just living, working. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk about Eagles football and just ready to go. Yeah, definitely. So today, the three of us are going to talk about the wide receiver outlook for the Eagles going into the 2021 season. We're going to talk about some current players, but also the topic that everybody wants to be talking about, the draft prospects for 2021. There's some really good receivers. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, first things first, the aging veterans that the Eagles had this past season, they're now gone. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are no longer with the Eagles. Um, so with that in mind, do you guys think that the Eagles are going to sign a veteran free agent or uh, maybe someone that's going to be cut in the coming weeks or months as a cap casualty? You want me to go first, sir? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, I think that uh, they need, I think they need a veteran in the room. But at the same time, you know, listening to Harry Roseman talk, you know, uh, after the season, he's talking about the youth movement and how that's like the main uh, way he wanted to go. So I think that um, they could sign, like, it, it depends on like, would you rather like a veteran receiver as like a, like a 10 year, like, you know, 11 year type guy, or like a guy who's been in the league for like five, seven years, somebody like that. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever really comes to mind, like, I would say right now they're probably going to be targeting if they want a veteran, someone with more than five years of experience, because right now their oldest player, I believe is Marquise Goodwin and he didn't even play last year. Yeah. Um, I have two names. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, I have Rashard Higgins and Demarcus Robinson. Um, I know that Demarcus Robinson, I think they've been, it's been reported that they've been interested in, interested in him for a few years now. Um, He had, uh, I think they ended, they have here, they interviewed him, in a pre-draft visit in 2016 and he had his career high in yards last season so I think he'd be someone to monitor yeah definitely so, Derek what are your thoughts so with me um I'm not sure if you ever seen any of my Twitter interactions but I'm just convinced that a splash is going to be made so mine is Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. um speaking on or adding to what Pierre said about how he mentioning the youth movement Galladay's still only 27 years old. He's not turning 28 until the back end of next season. So he's still within that, you know, youth movement by the time, let's say we are rebuilding. By the time we are good, he'll be around 29, 30, which means he'll be still be an effective receiver. And similar to what Pierre said, um, Rashard Higgins. I'm not sure if you saw uh, Jalen Rager's Instagram story where he tagged Rashard Higgins' uh, Instagram page and basically hinted at uh, – you know, a teammate reunion, I guess you mm-hmm. could call it, um, in Philly. So those are my two, uh, either a big splash or a vet, you know, just to help our young guys. Yeah, definitely. I could see it going either way because right now the Eagles wide receiver group is in a really weird position because, yes, like we are expecting them to be good with a high draft pick. We will get to that. Um, we want the difference maker out of somebody at pick number six, obviously. Um, but right now – there aren't any any guys on the roster that you can really rely on. I mean, Fulgham was up and down. The guys in year two need to make a huge jump. 
So I think bringing in a veteran is crucial. And whether it's going to be a guy like Kenny Galladay who can really take over and be that wide receiver one, is that necessary? Probably not, but it would be super helpful. I would definitely be looking for a guy like Kenny Galladay, or they can bring in somebody like Robinson who has more experience in the league, but he's not going to be demanding all the snaps. You can develop these younger guys. Um, I'm torn. I'm with you, Derek. I can see it going either ways. Um, love the names you guys put out there, but it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, as we see this year with a ton of players getting cut for cap reasons, the Eagles might have more options um, as the offseason goes on. So definitely have to look out for that as free agency opens. Um, but we mentioned the year two guys a little bit ago, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, John Hightower. They're all entering year two of their NFL careers. All of them showed ups and downs year one. Um, what are your expectations for them going into year two? Derek, we'll start with you. So for, I'll just, you know, name the receiver and then kind of break down each. So for Rager, um, I know a lot of people gave up on him. He had an immensely high level of expectations for a year one wide receiver, especially with the group that we had. We knew Deshaun was going to get hurt. It's just inevitable. Alshon is no longer Alshon that, you know, we're used to or we're accustomed to. So um, his year or his stats prorated over the season as if he was healthy for 16 games would have been 45 or 45 catches, 576 yards and two touchdowns. That's not great, but it's not as bad as everyone made him see or made him seem. Um, I also think it was a product of the offense asking a guy like Jalen Rager, hey, go get open is not what he does. You know, screens or, or uh, picks crossers slants that's his get the ball and go use his speed that's what he did well at tcu even with erratic quarterback play that was his bread and butter get him the ball let him make a play um i see kez watkins as the same get him the ball let him make a play the game versus arizona when he caught the little bubble screen spun and then hit went zero to 25 and 0.2 seconds that's what i expect and i expect that from the sirianni offense get the guy get the ball to your playmakers don't have Jalen Hurts standing back there, you know, three, four, five seconds, seven step drops, get the ball out, let your, you know, speedy guys make a play. Um, with John Hightower, I have a lot of confidence in him. I wrote an article before last season and I had him as like my gem of the draft, um, the sleeper pick. Um, Jason Avant, I'm not sure if you heard, but he mentioned that he was one of the best route runners on the team. And I also said it was the game versus Baltimore in the first quarter. Wentz lofted a beautiful deep ball and he dropped it. After that, he ran back to the huddle, head down. And I think after that, his confidence was pretty much shot. But he consistently proved to get open. He was always deep, beat his man consistently. I think he was just out of it after that point. So I expect him to, you know, get right in the, you know, the right mindset and be ready for this season. Yeah, Pierre, what do you think about those? Yeah, um, basically, you touched on every point I wanted to make. But um, <laughs> I think every receiver, like in totality, I think every receiver is going to benefit from Sirianni being there and his offensive philosophy of kind of like being multiple and, you know, putting the players in more like advantageous positions. Um, because all of them, they're pretty much the type of receivers who excel with the ball in their hands. Like, you know, you look at Rager, you know, you mentioned it, you know, he excels more on uh, manufactured touches rather than, you know, being asked to just line up one-on-one -on -one and win your matchup. He's not that type of guy. Um, I have here, I think that a pretty good forecast for him is like at least 1,000 scrimmage yards. Um, and for Hightower, yeah, I agree with every point you made on him. Same thing with Watkins. And with uh, Fogum, I think 
he he's going to be the guy to, that benefits the most. Um, because I I think we you know we saw it. You know he has all the potential in the world. Um, he's versatile. You know he can line up in the slot, outside, even in the backfield, and he can be effective. So um, yeah, I think uh, pretty much all of the receivers are going to benefit because there's a lot of potential in the room, but it just needs to be unlocked. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think they're going to take the necessary jump. We have Aaron Moorhead returning as a wide receivers coach, but I think it was the right move. I mean, you need some stability in that coaching staff. Um, the wide receiver coaches have been coming and going for the past couple of years and really haven't had any type of success. So um, regular, like you said, Derek, he was injured. Really a lot of expectations for him year one. And as we're saying with a guy like Zach Ertz, that he had a poor season because the offense was bad. I mean, that should be the same way for Rager. Obviously, shouldn't be any excuses. Jalen Hurts wasn't making any excuses year one, which is why I like him so much as the future quarterback, because I think he has the confidence um, that's needed out of a franchise quarterback. Um, however, with a guy like Jalen Rager, you saw it um, with uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside year one as well. I mean, he didn't really think that he was going to be a big role. Then all of a sudden, all the guys go down with injury, and he couldn't produce. Um so I agree with you guys. I think Watkins and Hightower are going to be crucial pieces going forward. I thought um, initially going into 2020 that only one of them was going to make the roster. And then turns out Watkins hopped on the IR and then they both showed some promise year one. Really liked what Jason Avant said, because I agree. I think uh, John Hightower is going to be a great receiver. Obviously, if he puts on a little bit more weight and can play that X position consistently, he's going to be special. Um, Pierre, you mentioned Travis Fulgham. We're going to get to him now. Um, so Fulgham, as many fans or all fans know, he was kind of the fan favorite halfway through the season. He blew the league off, um, you know, just just destroyed everyone, all the defenses. He was proving to be one of the, the greatest receivers in the league for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden Alshon Jeffrey gets back. He levels off, can't even see the football field. So we're seeing two extremes. One, you're seeing a wide receiver, one with extreme amount of production. And then two, someone who can't even play or when he's on the field, not making too much of an impact. Are we going to see that level of success from Fulgham that we he showed halfway through the season? Are we going to see nothing out of him or somewhere in the middle? Pierre, what do you think? Um, I think, you know, like I said, I think the uh, Nick Sirianni, Kevin Petullo and Aaron Moorhead trio, I think Fulgham's going to benefit the most from that. Um, I think I read an article on uh, NJ.com by Mike K. Uh, Zach Pascal, he said on Sirianni, he was like, uh, they're good at identifying and accepting players for who they are and putting them in, you know, the right positions to be successful. So, you know, with Fogum last year, you know, he came on strong, like you said, you know, and then he faded. But I think that was more because of like uh, how defenses they keyed in on him um, versus now, you know, he's going to get a full offseason in the Eagles system, just like uh, Rieger, Hightower, Watkins, you know, all those guys. Um, but with Fogum, I just think, I, I think what he showed, you know, that's not a fluke. You know, he showed it on multiple, throughout multiple games. It's, it's not a fluke, it's there. Yeah, Derek, what do you think? Um, I agree. Um, I also, he was a six-round pick, correct, with yeah. I think Green Bay? Yep. Um, I think he was a six-round pick for a reason but I also believe that he is a gem. You know what I mean? I don't, his stats pre Alshon were just under six catches per game, 87 yards and a touchdown, which projects to almost hundred catches and 1400 yards. I don't think he's that guy, but post Alshon, he averaged one catch for 15 yards and didn't yeah. score since week eight. I don't think he's that bad. So I think he's somewhere in the middle. 
he could, depending on what our offseason is like, I could see him as the wide receiver one, the go-to guy. And like Pierre said, the defense has shifted from, all right, you know, let the wide receivers beat us to, okay, let's stop Travis Fulgham and let, you know, Rager and Greg Ward, et cetera, beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the trio of quarter, uh, coaches that we have, I think with a new game plan, with additional weapons, Travis Fulgham could be or show glimpses of what he was pre-Alshon, but I don't think he'll be that guy. You know what I mean? The 100 catch, 1,400 yards, you know, 15 touchdown guy. I could see him maxing out of probably 1,000 to 1,100. Yeah, definitely. Role, obviously. Yeah. I think he's special. Um, obviously, if Jamar Chase is drafted, that's going to limit his capabilities a little bit because he's going to take over that role, um, which Fulgham was in previously. But he's interesting. I mean, I'm excited for a full offseason with Travis Fulgham and being on the roster week one um, to try to see exactly what kind of receiver he is because before he was uh, promoted to the active roster, nobody really knew too much about him. I remember before, I forget what game he was activated, but before that game, um, listening to Inside the Birds podcast with Adam Kaplan, he was saying that little nugget of information about Fulgham in the offseason program when they were doing one-on-ones with Darius Slay, the only two receivers that could beat him were Deshaun Jackson and Travis Fulgham. And Fulgham just came out of nowhere. Nobody knew any, but anything about him, but he could win on the football field. So I was impressed right away. Um, obviously, the entire league was impressed. But then we did see him cool off a little bit. Um, I'm going to stand with Derek there and say that he's probably not going to be someone that's going to get 1,400 receiving yards because that takes an elite receiver to do. Fulgham's great, but I don't think he's going to be the number one option for the Eagles going forward because they just have more of a pressing need and they need to address that with someone with a little bit more skill. Um, But going forward, so we have Greg Ward. Obviously, we kind of know what to expect out of Greg Ward. He's a very reliable slot option. It could be improved, but... Um, can't really say too much negative about him. The last two receivers we're going to talk about before the draft. We got JJ Arthago Whiteside, Marquise Goodwin. So JJ, obviously pretty negative outlook on his NFL career so far. Hasn't really shown much at all. The fans are very upset with him and there's the draft pick in general, taking him in the second round. Um, Marquise Goodwin, he was brought in with a really good trade last year during the draft. He ended up, ended up opting out of the season. And then now he's going to be on that one-year deal again. He restructured that deal to make it easier for the Eagles to keep him around. Um, but right now, is it are they going to stay? Or are they going to go? Right now, I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, there's nothing he can do to stay, in my opinion, because last year we saw he had a great um, off-season program. Everybody was raving about him, and then he didn't do anything when he was actually active on the team. So just because he has another good offseason doesn't mean that he's going to translate it to the football field uh, come September. So I think he's going to be gone. He might stick around for the summer, but I think he's going to be gone eventually. And then Marquise Goodwin, I'm kind of torn on. Um, looking forward to see what you guys have to think about uh, Marquise Goodwin and JJ as well, if you have different opinions. So people's, I guess, excuse um, for Rager Hightower and Quez Watkins is that we're going to see them now year two with the new coaching staff. I personally won't give J.J. Ortega-Whiteside that excuse. I've, I just have – I don't see what he does well. Rager, we've seen his speed. Quez Watkins' speed. Hightower run, uh, route running speed. What is J.J.'s thing? Um, even oh. with the jump balls that, you know, Wentz has given him, um, didn't really show much. Especially he had his chance against Detroit, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. 
with that 60 yard potential game winning bomb, just smacking him in a helmet. <laughs> I just lost all hope for him. Um, with Marquise, it goes back to our first topic on vet receivers. I feel like if we do get a Rashard Higgins, a Kenny Galladay, um, a Demarcus Robinson, any type of vet presence, I feel like Marquise is gone just because, you know, you got to relate injuries to production at his, especially at his age, the injuries at a young age for him won't age well for him. Um, so I feel like that he, his, uh, I guess his say on the team has to do with our free agency plan. Um, otherwise, if we go into free agency, like, Hey, let's, you know, strengthen our quarterback, let's strengthen our wide receiver. I mean, our tight end, let's strengthen our O-line other positions. Then I feel like he has a good shot at remaining on this team as a, the vet receiver. Yeah. Um, with me, with JJ, I'm kind of indifferent on him. Like, I don't, like you said, I don't really see what he does well. I mean, he has strong hands or whatever, you know, you want to say that. He's not really a good route runner. He's not the most technically sound route runner. Um, I just I just don't really see it with him, you know. Um, I think they're going to probably give him a chance to stick on the roster and see what he can do under Sirianni, but I don't really think he's going to be that productive. Um, on Goodwin, it's – I don't know. Like – I, don't, I, I just I really don't know on him. Um, he's often injured. I mean, he is kind of fast, but it, I just I just don't know on him. I'm kind of like you, Matt, on him. I'm kind of indifferent on him. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to JJ, he kind of reminds me of Sidney Jones the past couple of years because a lot of expectation. We get into the offseason. Everybody raves about him. The reporter is saying that he's performing super well in training camp. And then when it comes time to play, mostly all of it was negative. And then next year, I mean, same with cycle. Sid, with Sid, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of too attached to him to really be <laughs> uh, kind of um, like, uh, I guess, not biased. But I think he did show something. You know, it, it was there. There were flashes with him, as with uh, J. Jaw. It's really been nothing, you know, that you can really hang your hat on with him. Yeah, but can you agree with that? Both of them, the offseason um, outlook for them was way up high well, yeah, and then yeah. they just didn't live up to it i mean they yeah, were projected they materialized to the starter, during the season. and then they they didn't do anything so i think yes Sidney jones as a football player he he is better than jj i agree with you there however it's one of those things that you know training camp is not the same as um sunday yeah yeah it's so different so you can't just keep relying on these guys to play well in training camp and then be like, all right, we'll give another chance. Like at some point, you got to cut the ties. And I think this year has to be the one for JJ to go. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to go on to the draft prospects. So we got some great receivers to talk about today. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, the Eagles wide receiver group is, is decent right now. They need a lot of help. Um, but if these players can make the, the leaps that they need to, it can be pretty good um, with a, another receiver to coming in to help them out this year. So first things first, we got the big three, similar to last year with, you know, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CD Lamb. These receivers are grouped in as the best three um, in most people's opinion. We got Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. We're going to stick to them first before we go to anyone else. Jamar Chase, first things first. I, I think, obviously, you, you you guys probably agree, but he's probably the most that's has a chance that he won't be on the board at number six, whether it's yeah. the, the dolphins or 
the Bengals, he might not be an option for the Eagles. I think he's widely regarded as the number one receiver. What are your guys' thoughts on Jamar Chase? If he's there at six, is he the clear-cut pick? You can go first, Derek. Run the card up to the podium, scan it, fax it, <laughs> whatever you have to do. I'm not taking, what is it, five minutes, ten minutes between picks. Jamar Chase, if he's there at six. That's been my pick since – so I'm a Texas fan, uh, University of Texas fan. So he's been my dream wide receiver since the 2019 game when they played LSU. So at six, it's a no-brainer for me. I think he, I think he's undoubtedly the top uh, wide receiver prospect in this draft. Um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, A.J. Brown. And with the Eagles, he immediately step in as the wide receiver one. So I think at six, if he's there, he should be the pick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, Jamar Chase is definitely my favorite. And I think with the success, we're going to talk about Devontae Smith in a second, but with the su- success that he had, a lot of people during the season forgot that Jamar Chase even existed. And then now during the offseason, people are doing their homework. Everybody's going back to coming back to earth and saying, all right, Jamar Chase is the better player. Um, all around, he's just a great receiver. He has the traits to be great in the NFL. Um, there aren't many things that you can look at and say like, all right, he's he, he can't do that well. Um, I don't think he has elite breakaway speed like a guy like Jalen Waddle does, but that's not something that you can knock him for. He does everything else perfectly almost. Um, so it's not like he can do everything, but if he steps in, if he's the pick at number six, which I agree, he definitely needs to be there. <laughs> he ne- definitely needs to be the pick if he's there on the board. Um, but if he is the selection round one, the Eagles wide receiver group is so much better. Because all of a sudden you put Jamar Chase on one side, you got Jalen Rager, the promising year two receiver um, on the other side, you put Greg Ward in the middle and in the slot. And then you got the tight ends with Dallas Goddard as well. I mean, that's a really solid group. And Jamar Chase, I think out of these guys, he's going to be the most likely to have a really good impact, no matter what system he's in year one. Um, I think he's definitely something that has like rookie of the year written all over him right now. Obviously, there's quarterbacks in the league, but wide receiver-wise, he's he's definitely going to be the the best one-year one, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with what you just said. But um, with Chase, um, you know, like you said, he's pretty much, uh, I'm not going to say elite, but he's pretty good at everything. Um, but he wins more with, uh, like, physicality and strength. He's not really like a – he's not a guy that can really beat you with his uh, route running. Um, he's elite after the catch. He's, you know, very athletic, amazing lower body strength. Um, but I, I see if Pitts is there, I'm sorry to bring, I know we were going to talk about this early later, but <laughs> if Pitts is there, I, I'd kind of have, it'd be a little bit of a battle with me between yep. him and Pitts. Yeah. Similar to what you said, um, with his route running, it doesn't bother me that he's not an elite route runner, kind of like Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith gets open whenever he feels like it. Um, Jamar Chase is kind of a, all right, I'm going to bully you because this is what I do best at the line. Go ahead and try to press me if you want. I think, and I spoke about this um, on Twitter a couple of times, I think it's just lack of film. If there was 2020 film on Jamar Chase, I feel like his route running would ease a lot of, you know, thoughts. I feel like he just didn't show show much because it was, all right, we're going to press Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, and Jamar Chase as best as we can. It didn't work, obviously. But 
they'd rather do that than give them free releases at the line and let Joe Burrow just kind of pick them apart. So yeah, majority of his film is, all right, I'm going to get my hands on you first, throw you out of the way. And then naturally people are like, oh, well, he's not going to do that against Stefan Gilmore or Darius Slay or Kyle Fuller, like thicker corners. But I think he does have the footwork and just looking at a year of off-season training without the wear and tear on his body. At the end of the day, he's 20 years old. He has, the sky is the limit for him. And I feel like if his one, for lack of a better phrase, flaw is his route running, but he does have, you know, elite feet, then I see no issue with him going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. The thing with him is when you watch him, you don't see elite speed. You don't see elite route running, but he still is so good. He still gets open all the time. So he just, he just has it. Like Pierre, you said, like, I mean, both of you guys said that when you're watching JJ, you don't see like what he brings to the table. Like Jamar, you just know that he's yeah. going to be great. Like you can't point a finger and say like, he's got the speed, but you can look at everything else and say like, he's going, he has the traits to be a great receiver. He just knows how to get open no matter what the circumstances are. These next two guys from Alabama, we got Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. They're commonly regarded as number two and number three on wide receiver boards. I have Waddle at two. I'm interested to see what you guys think. But, you know, they could be, either of them could be options for the Eagles at number six. What are your thoughts on the two Alabama receivers? Pierre, we can start with you. Yeah, um, I think Devontae Smith, and I talked about this on my last on our last episode of the pod, I think he's the toughest evaluation of this entire draft. Because when you look at his size, and I mean, you know, everybody, you know, they want to say, you know, don't look at his size, look at what he put on film, but you can't help but look at his size. Mm -hmm. Um, There hasn't been a receiver that's, you know, been, I guess, like successful in the NFL at his size, except for maybe Marvin Harrison. Um, The ceiling is high with him, but I feel like the floor is also equally low. Um, I think he has the film to prove why he should be picked early, but it's just his size. That's that's the main drawback with me. Like, he has the size to be an X receiver in the NFL, but, I mean, he has the height too, but his weight, he's just like, yeah. So kind of adding to the whole size thing, um, Jalen Waddle is only, I think, seven, eight pounds heavier. But at the end of the day, Jalen Waddle has that elite trait, and that's his, you know, three, eight speed. He's just, yeah. you know, a burner. That's what, what he, that's what he does well. And it's almost impossible. Well, with Devonte Smith as well, it's almost impossible to jam either one of them at the line. They're just, it's just a blur, but um, I normally got on people for their recency bias when it came to Jamar Chase. And I'll admit I did that with Jalen Waddle. Um, he played, I guess, 3.5 games, I guess you can mm-hmm. call it, or Barely played the first game. He got hurt on the uh, opening kickoff. But um, with him, it's kind of like, all right, I love Jalen Waddle. I love Jalen Waddle. Then he disappears for nine games, and I completely forget about him yep. because Devontae Smith did what he did. But after, you know, watching – I'm not saying I'm, you know, Mel Kuyper or anything like that, but after watching more of Waddle, he officially became my wide receiver too. He's just – he's ridiculous. And I don't use uh, comparisons loosely – but he reminds me of Tyreek Hill. The play, I think it was Kentucky, where he threw it across the middle and he just jumped and lost over two people on like a 50-yard bomb. That's not a typical 5'10", 180-pound wide receiver play. So you can say, hey, I trust you, go get this ball. And you can also say, hey, I'm giving you four seconds to get 
60 yards down the field and I'm gonna throw it to you. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like he has, if it's close in terms of talent with me, I feel like I always go with the guy with the elite trait and that's the speed that Waddle has. Yeah. I mean, speed is more valued as we see. I mean, nobody really expected Henry Ruggs to be the first receiver taken last year, but he had the elite speed. So he was taken first Mm -hmm. Uh, surprised everyone. So could be something similar, similar with Jalen Waddle, but going back to Devontae Smith, in my opinion. So we see that he had a great season and going into the season when we saw that, you know, it was just all going to be interconference play between college, uh, mostly interconference play between college games. So SEC was going to play SEC. If someone was balling in SEC, you know that they were legit. And Devontae Smith did that. I mean, he broke records. But at the same time, like you said, Pierre, like his size just stands out. His build is not there. And the, th- the thing that concerns me, like he has a great release. He has a very good catch radius. Like he can go up and get the ball wherever it is. One bad hit or just getting bullied every single play, it's going to catch up to him. And yeah, and the Eagles haven't had the best injury history. So I don't think they're (laughs) going to be the ones that can teach him. I know there's a new coaching staff, but they're probably not the best team that say to him, like, here's how you need to put on 15 pounds and we're going to put you out on X and you're going to be expected to face press coverage every single play. I don't think the Eagles are the best team to put him in that situation. And I think he needs a lot of work off the field to be successful in the NFL year one or year two. Um, still think he's a great receiver, not going to knock him too much, but Jalen Waddle is my number two, like I said, and um, you know, it, it's just the speed and Pierre and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. And what I said to him was right now with the Eagles rebuilding and just needing an offensive firepower and a weapon, you need someone that you can look at and say, they are going to be a difference maker for their rookie contract and beyond. You want them here for seven years, whatever it is. Jalen Waddle stands out as that kind of guy. Obviously, Jamar Chase definitely is, but out of these two, Jalen Waddle is the one that I think would have a more successful career. Um, and that, that's just because he has that speed and he can line up multiple different positions and just score from anywhere. Eagles really need that. Well, see, I like Waddle. You know, I like him as a talent, but I really don't know if he um... – fits the timeline of the Eagles currently because they kind of took a player like they took Rager last year in the, in the uh, first round and he kind of he's kind of in that same mold of you know being uh used outside at Z inside uh in the slot out of the backfield and on screens you know different uh plays like that so I think I don't really know if he kind of he fits the what we need yeah I mean I think right now I agree with you but I think right now they're talent seeking, not position seeking, you know, we're going to talk about Kyle Pitts in literally two minutes here, but it's the same situation. Like if you have that kind of talent on the board and that's going to fit your team well for future years, I mean, Jalen Rager didn't have a 1000 yard uh, receiving season that showed you, you can't touch any speed because we have our speed option. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. Um, I think I'm at the point where it's not, all right, we need an X, we need a slot, we need a Z. I just want players. I just want football players, get them the ball wherever they line up. It's not our job to, to coach them. It's the coach's job. If you want Waddle, Rager, Quez, Galladay, Julio, whoever, if you want them on the field, you find a way to get as much talent on the field as you can. Um, and a, an example of that is with Joe Brady at LSU in 2019. 
when the outside was uh, Terrace Marshall um, and Justin Jefferson, or 2018 with those two. And then Jamar Chase kind of came into the summer or the spring program. I was like, all right, like this is my year at, you know, 19 years old. And he said, well, we need to find a way to get our three best players on the field. Brought Justin Jefferson from the outside to the slot and said, all right, all three of you going to play, all three of you going to win. And that's what they did. Justin Jefferson never really played the slot, you know, his freshman and sophomore years. And it was like, okay, well now I'll do it for the, just to get as much talent on the field as possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Pierre, I know you've been excited about talking about this, Derek, not really sure where you stand on Kyle Pitts. We're going to do a tight end show on the birds banter podcast going forward, but we have to mention him because he's not your traditional tight end. Um, Pierre and I have been talking about him quite a bit previously. And right now, like you said before, my picks for number six are either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it comes between one of them. And Pitts is just an extreme talent. Like we just said, you're looking for somebody that just can build an offense around. Give a weapon to Jalen Hurts, your second-year quarterback. Kyle Pitts is not your traditional tight end that's just going to block and take five-yard uh, dump-offs. He is somebody that can take this offense to the next level. He's got size. He's got speed, strength, everything. He can win no matter where it is on the field. What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts, and would you list him as a traditional tight end, or should we look at him as a wide receiver? So it took Pierre all of 30 minutes to convince me about Kyle Pitts. Um, I didn't see much of Florida, didn't see much of him. So when he pretty much broke it down, I'm like, why would you want, I understand Zach Ertz is probably gone 99% chance that he's gone. Why would you want another tight end? And then clip after clip, after clip, after clip, my cell phone just buzzing of Kyle Pitts. So, yeah, I got convinced. And I'm like you at six, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. I don't, I would prefer Chase, but if they went Pitts, I'm not mad at all. Um, He's a freak of nature. I'm not going to compare him to Calvin Johnson, but it's like that whole like unicorn. He's just, he doesn't belong on the football field. It just looks awkward that he's that big, that agile. Um, and he showed the film doesn't lie. He played against Patrick Sertan. He played against Derek Stingley. He played against JC Horn, all of these uh, top corners. He went against Stingley uh, in the, it was 2019, the 2019 season and just abused him. At the end of the day, if you can win, I think it was Eric Crocker. He said, when I, when I look at receivers, I say, number one, can they win consistently on slant routes? And he just broke down maybe eight or nine clips of him winning against these elite level, quote unquote, elite level prospects. And if he can do that, I feel like with NFL coaching, with experience, and just like Chase, he's 20 years old. There's nothing that he can't do. His, his catch radius, his hand size his run after catch ability. And like you said, it's not, you know, a five yard dump off security blanket. He can take the top off a of defense right up the seam. You can line them up outside, line them up at H you could do whatever. And I feel like having a guy like that, where you're not like we spoke on, you know, a few minutes ago where it's not, Hey, he's going to play this exact position. You can put him anywhere and that just extends your game plan. Yeah. Yeah. So with me, um, Pretty sure everybody knows Kyle Pitts. If he's there at six, he has to be the pick. I think he's a generational type of talent, and I don't use that term lightly. I'm not going to say Calvin Johnson. I'm going to say um, a more more DK Metcalfish type of guy. 
Um, he can line up in the slot outside at a traditional tight end um, position. Um, he's 6'6", 240 pounds. The guy, he can just do it all. He has an amazing catch radius, really strong hands. Um, I don't really, I, I don't really think I have to sell people on him. It's just with, and then looking at the Eagles offense, you know, like I said, you know, the receivers that they currently have, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, and they took a receiver last year in the first round. And I know, you know, you just said uh, they're just looking for talent, but I think with Pitts, it just makes sense. You know, they, the, what Nick Sirianni is more uh, predicated on, such as like mismatches and putting players in positions to be successful. He fits that build. The quarterback's coach was his offensive coordinator. Um, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it seems like when the pre-draft process started, everybody was like, why is Kyle Pitts talked about? Because everybody's like, oh, I see tight end. And people didn't really know anything about him. Yeah. And then now people are watching more. We're seeing more content coming out on, on him uh, on Twitter accounts. And everybody, it seems like the entire fan base shifted. So that's really promising to see because if he is the pick, which there is a very good chance he would be, if he is the pick, then we're not going to get a lot of backlash. And that, that that's the thing that irritates me the most is because like these players are top prospects. Kyle Pitts is a top prospect and, why would you know some random person on Twitter be criticizing the Eagles? But that's that's a different conversation. But um, you know, similar to what you know Jalen Rager, the reaction when he was taken. Um, but anyways, like if you have him and Dallas Goddard on the field, other teams don't have that athletic linebacker and safety that can cover each of them. You have maybe one if you're lucky on each team. That's like the Eagles are playing the Cowboys. I was like literally throw to Dallas Goddard every single play because the Cowboys don't have somebody that can cover him. Now, if you have two of those guys, Kyle Pitts is even better. Like they're just going to destroy defenses and you don't need that number one receiver. You can hope that Fulgham and Rager are going to develop, but it's not like you need someone to go for a thousand yards from the wide receiver group. So um, we're not going to talk about him too much, but it's definitely a possibility. And hopefully we convince you guys that, he's not just a traditional tight end. Like he can do it all. Um, the next guys we're going to talk about later in the draft. Um, they're not first round talents, but they're definitely still options for the Eagles. The two guys that we're going to talk about first, um, Elijah Moore and Jalen Darden, pretty similar in play style. Um, Pierre, uh, you know, mentioned them when we were preparing this podcast. I do like these guys a lot more of a slot type of receiver, smaller, very quick. And they both have punt return um capabilities so i like that a lot out of both of them um pierre we'll start with you what are your thoughts on these two guys um with elijah moore i like him a lot um he's five foot nine i think he's like 186 pounds you know you just said it. he's more of a slot receiver um but i think that he has um a quickness about him i think that um his burst and explosiveness that's what stand out most to me about him um, he had his most productive year uh, in his last year in college. I think he hit, I think, like 1,100 yards. Um, he's more, he's more uh, a position, like a position-defined player out of the slot. Um, I think he can be useful, like you said, you know, in other ways as a punt returner out of the backfield, you know, different ways like that. Yeah, Elijah Moore, that's my guy. I love him as, you know, a middle-round wide receiver he's twitchy very 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 twitchy similar to like Cole Beasley when he was in Dallas and even 
you know, he slowed down a, a bit in Buffalo, but still like you can't really get hands on him. If you give him too much room, he's going to get open. He can be that security blanket, but he's also, you know, he'll run a three yard route and turn it into 11, 12 yards. So I've always, I've well, since the season began, um, I kind of looked up, you know, a lot of draft analysts, you know, top boards, and then I noticed him. So I was excited for the whole um, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss mystique. So, you know, I had to watch uh, Elijah Moore. But, yeah, I, I definitely like him as a slot guy. Um, with Greg Ward, Greg Ward is just – he's just solid at the end of the day. I feel like Elijah Moore could bring more to the slot position instead of just saying, hey, we're going to put our security blanket right here and let him get his four-yard, you know, catches and, you know, live to see another down. I feel like he has that home run threat, no matter if it's a 20-yard catch, a five-yard catch, a bomb, anything like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right because Greg Ward, he is a solid option right now and he's kind of kind of penciled in. He was the same last year, kind of penciled in as that slot receiver, but it can get better. And there's no reason that this team who won, what, four games last season should be penciling in positions right now. There are some mm. great players on this team. However, you're rebuilding. You got to you know work through some kinks and try to figure out how you can improve for the long term. And is Greg Ward the slot receiver for years to come i mean it could be but there are definitely better options and um like we said you just need to find weapons to build around jalen hurts um, on offense and the thing i like about these guys the most is yes they're explosive they're fast they can score from anywhere but also their special teams ability the Eagles' special teams has been very lacking especially in punt returns i mean kickoff returns as well but that's such a big part of the game field position getting you know whether it's 10, 20 yards um, off of a punt return, it's so much more important than just taking the fair catch. We've seen time after time with um, Greg Ward and Boston Scott. I mean, I think Jalen Rager struggled a little bit as well, just not knowing when to call the fair catch, not knowing when to let it bounce. And it just cost the Eagles a lot. It cost them a lot of drives. It cost them some good field position. So if you can get someone back there with more experience and that just has more explosiveness, um, cause Greg Ward, you don't really think he's ever going to take it to the house when he's back there. You're just <laughs> thinking he's going to be the sure handed guy and catch the ball and all right, send the offense out. Um, so I think that definitely adds value to both of them because the Eagles are in a dire need for a punt returner. I agree. Um, watching Greg Ward field punts was probably the most frustrating thing. Even when he had, you know, clear lanes, he only managed six, seven yards, um, and we haven't really, we've had the same special teams coordinator for a while, but since maybe 2016 ish, when Darren Sproles was, you know, relatively healthy, we haven't had a dynamic return game or anything like that. So having these guys and you saw it, uh, was it the green Bay game where Jalen Rager was just, mm -hmm. Hey, go try to make a play. And then he did having speed means a lot guys that that excel and getting the ball in their hands and making a play happen you need guys back there I understand the whole logic of having sure-handed players back there so at worst you're starting you're guaranteed to start but I'm of the guy you know swing big what is a swing big hit big so put a guy down there that is at least a threat to to take it to the house yeah, um, on Darden, I like him a lot, but then it go, again, it goes back to uh, the Devontae Smith thing with his size. I think he's like 172 pounds. Um, and with to me, with him, he's more of like a, a gadget type of player, you know? Um, 
sure he can be useful out of the slot, but it's just again, it's just his size. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there are going to be smaller receivers every year, so yeah. The the fact that Devontae Smith is going to be expected to play outside and one-on-one coverage, press corner, like that's that's why I'm so like, you know, question questioning him as an Eagles receiver. Um, with a guy like Darden, like you said it, you said it best. He's the gadget player. Like you can move yeah. him around. He can be that motion um slot receiver that can just get open. I mean, Sirianni, the, his philosophy, he wants to get the ball to guys in space. I mean, Peterson was okay at it kind of fell off the past two years but what he wants to do is work on these guys strengths and a guy like Darden and Elijah Moore like if they're going to be best in open space he's going to tailor the offense to them and I think that is definitely going to work to his advantage um, to make sure that if he's going to you know take a screen or whatever it is um, he's going to have a role even if he's a small receiver yeah so the last receiver we're going to talk about today is uh, Wallace from Oklahoma State. Um, haven't watched him too much, but he's definitely um, a good option for the Eagles. He's 5'11", so a little bit more size than Darden and Elijah Moore. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on him? You can go first, Derek. So Tylen Wallace, like I said, I'm a Texas fan, so I've watched him abuse us for years. Um, he's a freak, but he's, he's small. I don't want to say he's small, but – you know, he's not one of those A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel type of like wide receivers, but you trust him with your life. You throw it up to Tylen Wallace, you there's a good chance that he's coming down with it. Um, I think the hype with him kind of died down after he tore his ACL. Um, I believe he is a better receiver than given credit for. And part of that is because he plays in the no quote unquote no defense Big 12. Um, and he also plays in an offense where wide receivers are required to run two or three routes. And then that's it. Hey, these are your routes. These are your plays. Mm -hmm. Run up to the line in five seconds. We're going to snap it. You're going to run the play. We're going to keep doing it. Um, and they mentioned that at the senior bowl where they said they gave him, you know, an extended route tree and he excelled at every route. And they're kind of sitting there. Well, we never seen this before. So where did this all come from? But I feel like seeing tape from one week at the senior bowl, isn't enough to justify moving him up or shooting him up your draft board. But I'm a big fan of Tylen Wallace for that exact reason. Like I said, I think I've seen him excel in a fluky type offense with two or three routes. So adding routes that he clearly, you know, could do well, um, like I said, at the senior bowl, um, just gives me more confidence in him. Yeah. Um, I like Wallace a lot um, of what I've seen of him. Um, I think he's he's a pretty good route runner. He's not the most technically sound route runner, but he can get the job done. Um, he's not really a deep threat per se, but he's he's kind of quick in, in his motions. Um, I think that he has a pretty good wing. I think his wingspan, I'm looking at it here, is 73 and a half inches. So he has the ability, I think he has the ability to uh, make catches that are like uh, not in within his uh, area. Um, I like... I, I don't know because you know with the torn ACL, you know, like you said earlier in the pod, um, with injuries and the Eagles and you know all those you know uh, unluckiness they've had, um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if he'd be on my board if I'm the Eagles. I mean, um, you know, he's definitely an option to look at. Obviously, wide receiver should be looked at every single round. I mean, obviously, it's going to change if you take someone round one or round two, like you don't need somebody, uh, 
them in round three, follow that up. But you yeah. got to evaluate the talent every single round because that's how much the Eagles need offense right now. So yeah. um, if he has the skill level to um, expand his route tree and just be a, a sound receiver for the Eagles, that you don't need to look for somebody every single season that's going to be the home run hitter ability because, yeah. you know, there's so many, so much more to the wide receiver position than that. So um, I think he would definitely be a solid option for the Eagles, especially later because one, one player, whether it's Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, I don't think is going to fix this wide receiver group. There's way too many question marks and it's very young. So uh, you got to make sure that you bring in a lot of talent to make these guys compete all training camp and make sure you bring out the best uh, roster in week one. Yeah, but I think um, overall with all the receivers that are currently on the roster, everybody, they're just going to benefit more from having a full offseason. You know, uh, last year with all the with COVID and everything that happened, you know, they weren't really able to have the uh, rookie mini caps and different things of that nature. So I think getting a full offseason, especially in a new offensive system, that's going to benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and especially asking three rookies, like you said, yeah. no rookie mini camp with no anything, with no offseason. Then Deshaun gets hurt. You know, Alshon isn't ready. And you're just like, hey, go play football. Yeah. While they're, yeah. you know, working with Sudfeld and Hurts during practice, now it's, hey, you got Carson. And it showed a little bit in that uh, week one Redskins game where he wants, you know, inside shoulder or outside shoulder. And they're just on completely different pages. That happens without an offseason like that. Yeah. It's the lack of chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now we're, going into an off season, unless anything drastically changes in the draft and they fuck the world, we're going into an off season where the Eagles know that Jalen hurts is the quarterback. So these wide receivers can prepare last year. We did expect Carson Wentz to be starting the entire season. Um, but there was that, you know, random factor that Jalen hurts was drafted in the second round. So these, these receivers were working with two different quarterbacks most of the time, but now we know it's Jalen hurts. That'll help them even more. Um, letting him, you know, use his confidence and his ability to be that quarterback one and work with these guys day in and day out. Um, before we wrap up and end off here, um, want to give everyone the opportunity to just say what is the ideal situation for the wide receivers this offseason, um, whether it's free agency in the draft. Um, I can start us off. I think, like I said, I'm between Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts round one. Um, right now, I think. If I were to if I were to bet, I would say Marquise Goodwin would be staying, and uh, he will serve as the veteran on this roster, so they won't make any big free agent moves. Um, so it's going to be Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts round one, and then later on, um, there's a lot of names that we talked about. I think Elijah Moore would be a great option. Uh, another player like Rico Bussy Jr. from Hawaii, um, kind of a, a late round flyer that could be developmental, um, but I think drafting someone round one and then addressing it again rounds three or four and then seven uh, would be an ideal situation for the Eagles. What, what about you guys? Yeah, with me, um, if they go Pitts um, in the first round, a guy I like later on is uh, Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Um, and if they go Chase, um, the guy I like is uh, Austin Watkins out of UAB. He's a 6'2", 207-pound receiver. I kind of view him as like a faster Sammy Watkins. So with me, let's I'm going off a splash. So we're getting Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. in free agency. So that leaves me with someone like Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore, like twitchier guys to offset Kenny Galladay's, 
you know, six, four prototypical, like Z type receiver or X type receiver, excuse me. Um, if not, if we do end up with, you know, Higgins or keeping Goodwin, I say probably, Jam let's say Jamar Chase is there at six. I go Jamar Chase at six. And later in the round, I'd still probably go Elijah Moore. I'm obsessed with him as a wide receiver. Just what he could do with the ball. And like you said, special team ability. That just watching this team the last two or three years on special teams has just been frustrating. So at worst, if he isn't this slot guy that, you know, I predict he is, he could be that dynamic return guy. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really talk about Tony any, any at all, so – Question for you guys, if the Eagles do want to target Tony, do you think he's going to be falling to early second round when the Eagles have a pick or would they have to uh, trade up to grab him? Because I like him a lot. I don't see him as a first round pick, but it seems like he is going up boards um, as we speak. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, I think he's going first round. I think, I think all hype round. he's going off first round yeah, from okay. what I've seen. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of talk. People get bored when there's months before the draft. But I would personally attempt to trade up just to guarantee that we get him. Yeah. And then another question before we uh, sign off here. Since you guys think Tony's going round one, who do you value more, him or Rashad Bateman? Oh, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. 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 Bateman is my guy. He's, he's tough. He's agreed. He's not talked about enough. I yeah. I think Rashad Bateman is the Justin Jefferson of this draft class. He can do everything at a very, very good level, just not elite. Yeah, I like him as like a Cortland uh, Sutton from yeah. two previous drafts. He's he's a beast, just stuck in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. So uh, thank you guys all for watching, whether you're coming from the Birds Banter podcast or the new Norm podcast and the Philly Blitz. Uh, definitely enjoyed talking to you guys, Pierre and Derek been great uh, again my name is matt luby i'm the host of the birds banter podcast in affiliation with the phl sports nation so uh again if you guys want to sign off and plug your podcast real quick all right um you can check out the lunar podcast it's on the apple podcast um uh i think i just drew a blank uh spotify um anywhere you get your podcast this podcast at um or you can go to uh the phillywits.com and uh myself Derek. Um, all the guys were doing different articles on the Eagles and 76ers, um, providing elite coverage of Philadelphia sports. Thank you for having us on, Matt. Yeah, appreciate you having us. Yeah, if you guys haven't been checking out the Philly Blitz yet, uh, Pierre, it's been up for probably a year now, right? Yeah, it's been Over a year. year. Uh, last February. Yeah, I mean, they're doing an awesome job. It's uh, Derek and Pierre and plenty of other writers and uh, Twitter admins, so um, definitely check those out, um, the Philly Blitz on Twitter and their articles as well. Thank you.